You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This is your home for all things outdoors in the Badger State, and I am your host, Josh Rayleigh. We've got a good episode in store for you today, and we're going to jump right into it. I had the opportunity to speak with Julian Young from Wisconsin about uh, a pretty incredible buck, a really unique buck. He was probably a five, maybe even older buck that was actually just a mainframe six point, but the thing carries mass all the way out to the ends just an incredible buck and julian actually had four years of history with this deer before the story kind of came to a little bit of a disappointing end but hey one that at least had closure had a great time hearing and learning a little bit more about this buck looking forward to keeping up with julian throughout this year and maybe even having him back on the show when he finds some success here in 2023 so with all that said i hope you enjoy the show Get ready to share your hunt this season with the Tacticam Solo Extreme Point of View Camera. Featuring one-touch operation, weatherproof housing, and mounts to fit any style of hunting, the Solo Extreme is sure to make filming your hunts foolproof and hassle-free. The Solo Extreme features up to 8x zoom, image stabilization technology that takes the shock out of the shot and lets you capture crystal clear, wide quad HD, 60 frame per second footage. And you get all of this in a compact camera that weighs under 13 ounces. From now until August 31st, you can get the Solo Extreme and a stabilizer mount for just $149.99. And of course, you get free shipping with that. To learn more or pick up your Solo Extreme today, head over to Tacticam.com. Onyx Hunt is always striving to help make hunters more successful in the field each season. Onyx has just released a bunch of new features to help you on your next hunt. These features include new aerial imagery options like leaf off, recent imagery updated every two weeks with historic look back, and imagery on demand. On top of that, Onyx is reinventing the trail camera market by syncing your hunt app with multiple cell camera manufacturers and helping organize and analyze your photos right there in the app. You can try Onyx Hunt free for seven days or go to onyxmaps.com to learn more. Hunt in comfort this season with Camo from Huntworth. They make high quality technical camo at a fraction of the price of other brands. My personal favorites for the early season include the Durham lightweight pants, which are rugged and durable with just the right amount of stretch where it counts, and the Shelton midweight quarter zip hoodie with built-in face mask. To make building out your kit simpler, their website now features their new system builder. 
This tool will help you grab the right camo no matter what season or species you're hunting. And right now, you can get 30% off with their preseason sale. Just use the code PRE30, that's capital P, capital R, capital E, and the number 30 at HuntworthGear.com. All right, joining me for this week's episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is Julian Young. Julian, what's up, buddy? Not much, Josh. How's it going? Good, man. I'm glad that we could uh, we could coordinate things here. We've had a fun time trying to make sure that we can both be on a computer screen at the same time. Oh um, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, you know, uh, everybody everybody's got so much going on these days, and as you know, fall's rapidly approaching. Everybody's scrambling. Uh, you know, get get a little extra bit of work done now, so we can have those days freed up in the fall when they really count. Right, right. Well, man, I had I had an expo this weekend, and my whole world was clouded by the expo that I was going to, and like doing all the things for that. And so today it's kind of like an expo hangover day. Uh, and I thought that we had talked about Wednesday, but then I saw your message. I'm like, oh, we definitely talked about Monday. So, so here we are uh, finally getting to have this conversation, but that's all right. So, man, let's kick it off. Tell me a little bit about yourself, where you hunt, and uh, maybe what you do for a living. Okay, so uh, my name is Julian Young. I, uh, I grew up in Milwaukee, actually. Um, spent time between uh, my mom and my dad. My parents got divorced at an early age. Um, you know, growing up in the city, um, never really fit in, um, just always wanted to be hunting. Um, so football wasn't really a thing for me. Um, having a fear that I would have an arm injury and not be able to draw my bow or something <laughs> along those sports. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm six two, two hundred 250 pounds at 24. So, uh, I, I've, I've been told by a lot of high school and elementary school coaches that I'd be a prime candidate for, uh, for the line, but, uh, the woods just demanded too much of my attention. Right. Um, anyhow, so, uh, these days I do quite a bit of my hunting, um, you know, here around Jefferson County, Wisconsin. Um, I'm also getting up into, uh, Marquette County quite a bit. Marquette and Columbia counties, uh, do quite a bit of hunting there. Um, have a pretty big network of friends now that hunt, um, you know, all over the state. So I guess it really depends on, uh, you know, who's doing what and when I'm at a stage in my, my hunting career to where it's more about the adventure for me than shooting something. So, I mean, if somebody says, Hey, you know, let's go camping and hunt here and explore a little bit, you know, I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah, man. There's a, you're in a, you're in a really good part of the state. So, uh, while, while there's a, while there can be a lot of pressure, right? Like there can be a ton of hunting pressure where you're at. It's a good area for genetics and deer numbers. Um, yep. You, you hit the nail on the head. I will tell you what I have never seen, uh, you know, you get North of Madison there. Um, you know, you get away from the super big cities and you, I've never seen more deer movement on, you know, a 90 degree day at two o'clock in the afternoon. And it's odd to me. Right. Right. What do you notice in some of those high pressure areas about how deer, when the pressure's on about how they're, how they're moving. Oh man. I mean, I will say around my apartment here, um, the nocturnal thing is a major, major, major component of it. Um, you know, I've heard somewhere that deer aren't naturally nocturnal and that humans have actually influenced them to turn into a nocturnal animal. Mm. Um, obviously, you know, humans have been, especially in the United States, 
shooting a deer with guns pretty heavily now for around what five six hundred years so uh they've definitely had some time to adjust um again you said once season starts and you know or even a couple weeks before season you know guys are scouting hanging cameras whatever um i try to get all my cameras out um end of may early june you know i put my summer soakers out there and try to get some tabs on where some bucks may be for the early season but uh you know um you get some squirrel hunters and things like that and especially uh especially if you have a big buck on one of those cameras and you have some guys come traipsing through that buck won't show up for two weeks if he does come back right right seems to shift them shift them pretty hard whenever um especially when they encounter people where they didn't expect it Big time. Like and uh, I'll tell you this area of the state I'm known in is known for its, you know, big swamp habitat. Um, you know, you get people traipsing in the edges of those swamps and those bucks go back. And when I say back, I mean a mile plus, if not more than that, that's probably being generous. And, uh, you know, some spots, these guys talk about getting in there with waders and canoes and kayaks and all that. I mean, some of these spots, these deer get into, I, I, you know, you can't get a boat in there because it's not water, but, you're, you're not going to catch me walking in there cause you ain't never going to get out. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's pretty intimidating terrain. Uh, absolutely. And timing is everything in there too. I've found in hunting that kind of stuff, because if you get to a spot before the pressure is on, the deer will surprise you with how close they are just to the very, on the very edge of that swamp. Like they're right there on the edge and you can bust them out in a hurry if you're thinking they're further in. But, yeah. But if they have I'll been pushed, you, I- I don't mean to cut you off. No, here. go Sorry for it. Go that. for it. Uh, one thing I've noticed hunting some of those big spots like that where, you know, guys, uh, you know, they listen to all these other podcasters and, you know, things like that. Um, you know, they're, they're pushing farther back into this, these properties. And one thing I noticed, man, if you know what you're doing and you spend some time there and, you know, everybody, you know, the good hunters these days are saying scout more than you hunt. And I cannot stress the importance of that enough. I mean, I had last year, I was hunting a piece of public land and some of the biggest pictures of any buck I had anywhere were, you know, I'll tell you, I was a hundred yards from the parking lot and, you know, maybe 50 yards off the road. If that. Wow. So hanging tight. uh, just a spot where you can, you can get in there and you can hang a camera and the deer may be used to some human scent. But, you know, not necessarily deer hunters. And another thing that I've noticed that's odd is, uh, you know, hunting these big swamps. I got quite a few buddies that are in there waterfowl hunting pretty hard. And the, d- the big bucks, they don't, they don't seem to mind the waterfowl hunters, right. as odd as that seems. Right. I've talked about that a bit on, on the show where, you know, some of the spots where I hunt have waterfowl and pheasant hunters on the property. And it's like the deer can differentiate. It's like they know, like, okay— those guys walking around with a dog, they're not a threat. Those guys sitting over there quacking with a, like a duck, they're not a threat. This guy over here sneaking around with a bow, he's a major threat. It's Dude, like they can distinguish. It's, it's so strange, man. And, I mean, you wonder, you wonder how they pick up on stuff like that. But, I mean, I had some buddies that were hunting a small hole in one of these marshes, and, you know, they're shooting at ducks. And, you know, they have these, my buddies telling me this 160-inch, you know, just monster comes and just walks out on the edge of their duck hole while, you know, they're teal hunting and stands there taking a drink, staring there, looking at them. 
And I mean, I, uh, my, my buddy started deer hunting that spot and, you know, of course he's nowhere to be found now, but right, right. It, it's crazy, man, how smart those deer can pick or how they can pick up on just such, you know, things that, you know, a lot of people think a hunter's a hunter, but I mean, in, in some sense it is, but when a deer can, it blows my mind, man. It blows my mind. Right. Absolutely. Well, man, we were going to talk a little bit about a buck that you had some history with. You got him on your wall at this point. A beautiful deer. Um, just an absolute specimen. Looks like just an old, old buck, too. So tell me a little bit about this deer and maybe kind of set the story up for us. Yeah. So looking at him here, I guess the best way to describe him would be to uh, it'd be a mainframe six. He's got, uh, just incredible mass. I mean, most of the parts throughout his main beam, I mean, I I've got big hands and I, I have a hard time getting my hand wrapped around, um, his G two on his right side. He's got a big fork. Um, he's got a split main beam on the end of his left side to make him, I guess you could call him a seven pointer. Um, you know, just tall, massive, pretty decent spread on him for what he is. Just, uh, just an old brute, man. Just an old brute. Yeah. When did you first become aware of this deer? So, uh, the first year I had an encounter and got pictures of this deer would have been in 2019. And, uh, I mean, he, he was maybe two and a half years old at the time, maybe three, kind of hard to tell, but, uh, you know, he was, your typical run of the mill, uh, I guess not run of the mill being he was a six pointer, but you know, if he would have been your standard eight pointer, he probably would have been somewhere in there around like the 120, 125 range. Um, when I first encountered him, um, and you know, uh, I'm more of a, I like to pursue unique characteristic deer. If somebody said, you know, there's a two foot spike hanging out somewhere, I'd probably be more apt to go hunt that deer than, you know, chase 150 inch typical 10 pointer. Right. So what is it that draws you to those deer? I don't know, man. I, 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 my best, my best assumption would be that I've seen a lot of nice deer. Um, you know, the pressure is really heavy where I'm at. Um, I don't always know if I'm going to be able to chase a deer that's, you know, over 140 inches, um, especially on the private. Um, you know, these days I'm noticing, it seems like the deer on the private hunt in Wisconsin, you know, my buddies from down South called Swiss cheese because of all the 40 acre parcels. Right. And, you know, they're just not used to that. So really I wonder, you know, these deer these days, they're running from 40 to 40 and they're getting shot up more than they are on the public. Yeah, for sure. Dude, the, the, the pressure on when you've got a checkerboard of small pieces of private can be so high. I mean, you can end up with a, with a hunter every 20 or 15 acres, even big time, like really big easily. Time. So tell me about the spot where you're hunting him then. I mean, obviously, uh, 2019, he probably catches your eye cause he's a six point. He stands out. He's a little bit different. Were you hunting him on public, private, a little different or a little bit of a mix? No, uh, this deer, I was hunting him on private. Um, my dad has a, a little 30 acre chunk behind his house. Um, a little further North of where I live here in Exonia. Um, that property, uh, I'm pretty lucky that it actually happens to butt up to a 1200 acre nature preserve. Nice. So, uh, there are definitely some deer that are able to kind of sneak their way in there and get some years on them, which is nice. Um, 
you know, that being said, that whole area is absolutely caked with families that are pretty hardcore hunters and they're all pretty dang good at it. So, um, I mean, every year, um, some pretty big ones get taken out of that area, but no. Um, so yeah, hunting this deer on private, um, you know, there's a couple public land parcels well within, I'd call his home range. Um, you know, I had neighbors that were getting pictures of this deer up to, you know, a mile and a half away. Um, never saw him in the summertime, so he could have been farther than that. Um, but yeah, like you said, just notice he was unique and, um, something that may trip my trigger once he had a couple of years on him and then, uh, ended up going after him, targeting him pretty heavily in uh, 2022. All right. All right. So did you, how many times did you see him in 2019? In 2019, I saw him maybe three or four times, you know, uh, only during the rut, you know, he wasn't down or he wasn't around in September, October, anything like that. Um, you know, I think November 1st was the first time I actually laid eyes on him, just cruising through chasing a doe. Um, and then I saw him several times throughout gun season. And then once during muzzleloader. Okay. So you had your chances at him if this was a buck that you were after that year. Oh, big time, big time. Um, Growing up, uh, you know, I, I, the first memory in my entire life is an old Stony Wolf VHS tape that my dad had, and it was about deer drives. And the opening sequence, I remember it had like some upbeat, you know, exciting music and this buck running across the CRP field and these guys yelling buck, buck, and, you know, all unloading on it. And, uh, so, I mean, I've, I've, been deer hunting, you know, I'm not going to say my whole life, but I was shooting gophers in the yard when I was probably five or six. So, uh, I've definitely spent my fair share of time in the woods and, uh, realized that, you know, if they get, if they get a little bigger, they get a little interesting too. So I decided to let him have the walk there that first year. Right. Right. So what did it look like then heading into 2020? I mean, here he is, he's going to be a three, maybe even four year old deer. Um, did you see him a lot in 2020 as well? Yeah, 2020, he was a regular. Um, he didn't really get much bigger, though. I mean, I think he got a little taller and a little wider. Um, nothing crazy. Um, at that time, we actually had a buck running around our place um, that um, we just lost track of a couple of years later. We called G2, and that was probably a 170-inch I couldn't, I don't even know how many points he had off the top of my head, but that was a deer. We only had trail camera pictures of that big G two one. Uh, funny enough, my dad was going to hunt a certain stand one day, but, uh, ended up having to grab my uncle out of the drunk tank. And, uh, that one day that my dad had decided to hunt that deer, um, walked past about five yards in front of the bottom of his stand. Oh. So, uh, yeah, so, uh, uncle Marty definitely, uh, took some shots for that one, but, uh, <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, so this, uh, this big six pointer, um, just, you know, definitely stayed in the back of my head. Um, you know, always thinking about, you know, if you made it to that, you know, four and a half year old, I mean, I'm not picky enough to where I'm going to, you know, I'm not waiting for these deer to get to six. I, uh, I haven't shot that many big bucks in my career where I'm that interested in the deer of that age class. Um, so, you know, yeah, just thought about him and then, uh, saw him actually quite a bit in winter. Um, you know, our season at that time, uh, or in that part of the state actually ends January 5th. I believe it, it falls on most years. 
as opposed to the 31st of January, like it does down here by my apartment. So, uh, you know, really cool. Just kind of getting to watch him for most of the winter and, uh, never found any of the sheds either, oddly enough, but, uh, you know, always knew it was him because of that distinct rack and he stuck around and, uh, would see him pretty often until, uh, 2022. Just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point-of-view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that is a total game-changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions, you know just how frustrating it can be to try to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of mounts and adapters. This fall, I'm going to be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with the 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with the 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, tacticam.com and share your hunt with tacticam so then in so that was that was 2020 heading into 2021 we're talking he's getting up into a little bit older age class of an animal uh were you chasing him just yet or did you did you wait one more year um wasn't really chasing him but you know decided that if i saw him i was probably gonna end up shooting him um, just, you know, having that history with the deer is cool to me and him being unique like that. And, uh, you know, just figured he'd probably be getting pretty close to that size where, you know, being a six, I, I don't care about score. Like I told you either, you know, he's going to be, you know, decent enough for a, a Euro mount or a shoulder mount or whatever. Cause I, I like taxidermy. I don't know any hunter that doesn't quite frankly, um, right. love looking at mounts. Um, but yeah, uh, didn't really see him in 2021 either. Um, had one trail camera picture of him all year. And, uh, I honestly couldn't tell you why, or I, I honestly don't know. That's, uh, that's something that I've always kind of wondered, um, what he was doing that year. Yeah. So what were the, that makes me wonder about the other bucks on the property in 21, like whether were, were there, other bucks that were maybe super aggressive or maybe a couple of really big ones? You know, no, honestly, uh, 2021, I'll be honest, was probably one of the tougher years I'd had on that property. Um, I'll be honest. I wasn't really into the whole public land hunting fad then. Um, you know, that's 2021 is actually the year I decided to start hunting public land. Um, you know, I, one thing I thought, you know, deer don't know property lines. Deer don't know that that land is public. I think a lot of people get discouraged because, you know, they think, oh, public land, oh, God, you know, everybody and this and that. And, you know, those deer don't know it's land. It's their habitat. It's like, you know, an extension of their living room. But, um, you know, all you got to do is find a 40-acre chunk out of that 1,000, and, you know, odds are if nobody's been in there, there's going to be a good one around. Right, right. So then heading into heading into 2022, when did he start showing back up or when did he when was he back on your radar? Yeah, so 2022 actually ended up getting a picture of him around uh, the beginning of October. Um, that was the first year I kind of started messing around with mock scrapes and stuff like that. So uh, put a mock scrape out at the beginning of December, uh, just was anxiously looking at the cameras, hoping he'd show up. 
Um, you know, September went by, you know, which was kind of typical having, you know, he was never around until the rut most of the time, but, uh, was pleasantly surprised to get a picture of him. I think October 3rd, it was, um, that first time he showed up and, uh, was certainly ready to shoot him seeing what he had turned into. Yeah. So tell me how he had changed, I guess, from previous years. Cause you said he, there were a couple years he didn't really get a ton bigger. Right. So, uh, like I said, the first year I saw him, you know, he was maybe, 120 inch uh six pointer you know looking a lot like and you know your average good well jeaned two and a half maybe three and a half year old deer um 2020 um 2021 he i don't know i guess he got taller um, a little wider, um, definitely started putting some mass on. And then, uh, in 2022, what really made me just want to chase him is that he had that, that fork was the first time he'd ever had that. Um, he'd had a small, I guess you could call it a small fork on his left brow. Um, he had never had the split main beam before either. And just when I say he gained mass, I mean, just, exploded and just got thick and ma- mass is always something I look for in a deer. Right. Right. I love thick racks. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. And there's, I don't know, it, even if you don't like the score of, of, of deer, you know, not real worried about score mass makes them just look so much bigger. Like, Big absolutely. and then if you are scoring them and you do like a high scoring deer, man, mass can really make the difference between, Big time. you know, if, if you don't know what you're looking at, you know, you look at two eight points and you think, oh, those are probably about the same. But if you have one that's got a lot more mass, man, that, that can really carry it. And that dude looks like he's probably got five or six inches of mass way, yeah. way out. I, I, I couldn't even tell you what that deer scores, man. I mean, I could, I can look at most, you know, typical, you know, eight pointers if they're 140 or below and say, yeah, it's probably, you know, this or that. But once they start getting that mass and all that extra junk on them, I, I couldn't even tell you. I mean, I'd. I'd assume it's over 140. I mean, I have no idea. Not that I really care. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, you get this picture of him on October 3rd. You're obviously pumped. You want to start to to try to chase him. How do you begin putting a plan together? Were you, were you thinking, man, I'm just going to rely on my kind of past knowledge of him? Or did you sort of go back to the drawing board and try to start all over? Yeah. Again, I'll be honest with you, man. Uh, I just, uh, I'd always kind of grown up, you know, grown up a deer hunter, but I didn't really look to attain that knowledge. Um, I was pretty much, you know, your general run of the mill guy, you know, take my, you know, soak my clothes in scent killer, you know, try to be scent free, you know, take a shower with scent killer every time before I went out. Um, and pretty much just put the time in, man. Like I didn't pay attention I guess I paid somewhat of an attention to the wind, but you know, didn't, didn't know, you know, bedding areas versus funnels versus, you know, feed trees and, you know, just all, all kind of the little inner workings that, you know, make a good deer hunter, a great deer hunter, or, you know, somebody that just puts the time in and waits for a, a buck on a decent piece of property to, you know, when might this buck be here? Why might he be here? You know, um, the specifics more so. Um, so honestly, man, I just, I just started hunting them. I just started going out, sitting in my stand, waiting, uh, saw a lot of, you know, 120 inch smaller bucks, um, had some encounters with some other big bucks as far as them being out of range and things like that. But, uh, did never see him really. And then, uh, you know, gun season went by, hadn't seen him, hadn't seen him. 
and, uh, you know, kind of the, the kicker to this story, which I hadn't told you yet, actually, just because I'm curious what your reaction is going to be. Unfortunately, man, uh, that winter I found this dude had got hit by a car. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Yep. Man. So I have n- I did not kill that buck. Um, I'm happy that I guess I kind of have a little memento of him. I've got his skull. Um, you know, he was picked clean by the coyotes when I found him. Um, but yeah, he, uh, never really knew what he was doing that year. Um, other than the one time I saw him, uh, just my only assumption could be is they get back in that nature conservancy, man. And they sit and they just don't leave unless they have to. Yeah. And, uh, you know, once, you know, January come around, the pressure kind of dies off there. I'm thinking he came out of that nature preserve and someone smoked him with the pickup, man. So just kind of a, kind of a ghost that last year big time it's interesting how his behavior changed so much so i'm just looking you know i've been taking some notes here 2019 he was all over you yep. you know you had him all over the place 2020 i think you said you saw him a couple of times yep. and then 2021 and 2022 it's like his demeanor totally shifted big time and, and i think you know now knowing a little more about deer man they get to that mature state and i mean they go from you know I'm 21 and I'm 24 now. And don't get me wrong. I still got things to learn, but you know, 21 year old me was a lot more apt to do something stupid than 24 (laughs) year old me is. I'll tell you that. Yeah, man, that's the truth. And I've heard too, um, you know, from guys who chase old deer and they watch them for years, you know, you got your Bill Winkies and your Mark Drury's and those guys. One thing that seems to be consistent is that the home ranges of these bucks, the older they get, they shrink and they shrink and they shrink. It's almost like because they they know, like, okay, this is the spot where I'm going to have all my needs met. I'm going to have the food that I need. I've got the water I need. I've got the cover I need. I've got the does that I need. And I don't have to leave this sphere. Whereas when you get that two- or three-year-old buck, man, they're like, I need to go anywhere and everywhere because I need to find, you know, especially during the rucks. It's like I got to find does somewhere that are receptive to me that aren't already taken by, you know, the big boy in the neighborhood, so to speak. Yep. And I mean, like I'll credit Dan and fall to this one, man. I think he says, you know, the one thing that that big buck cares about almost maybe even more than does is being alive. Right. Right. And it, it's crazy how they can key in on all those little sights and sounds and smells and say, this is going to keep me alive. And this isn't right. Right. And, uh, mentioning that kind of nature conservancy that my property is pretty close to there. It seems, uh, you know, not every year, but every, you know, two, three years, um, a deer, just, you know, a neighbor will shoot a deer that just appears out of the woodwork. And I mean, I'm taught some mega giants, man. I mean, deer that nobody has pictures of deer that nobody knows existed. And then all of a sudden somebody shoots one and it's, you know, the news of the town. Wow. Do you know if this buck was showing up on anybody else's trail cameras or if anybody else had been chasing him? You know, honestly, I wasn't. Um, most of the time in our area, if uh, if one neighbor has a buck, especially like I was saying how this year exploded in 2022, um, if somebody has a picture of a buck of that caliber, um, you know, we were pretty good at working together and sharing information. Um, not, not saying that I was trying to, you know, hide the deer for myself, but you know, um, if, if any neighbor comes up and, uh, you know, Hey, do you got pictures of this deer? And you know, they're, they're willing to put a little bit of trust in me, you know, giving me a little bit of something first and you know, Hey man, yeah, here he is. You know, he's been here this, this, and this, 
it's been on this wind and, you know, I'm more than happy to work together. But uh, as far as I know, man, um, unless somebody else may have had kind of a similar mindset um, in this case, just because of how unique this deer was, uh, nobody that I know of had any pictures of them. Right. Man, that's a that's a really good policy. And that's one that I've kind of lived by, too, is to say, all right, if there are people around who are willing to share some with me who maybe say, hey, I'm chasing a good one in here. Like, have you seen this buck or something like at that point? I'm ready to say, all right, we can we can almost tag team this thing, right? Because I'd rather one of us get it than neither of us get it. You right, know? sure thing. And I mean, again, like I'd, I'd say I really don't think anybody would have, you know, withheld information because, I mean, I've had neighbors, you know, text me pictures of deer that, I mean, as far as the score goes, you know, make that deer look like Mickey Mouse. But, uh, you know, um, work with your neighbors, man. I mean, they're – you know, if they're into the sport just as much as you are and they're in that same area, I mean, no matter how big or how old, you're going to have deer that are overlapping, you know, in that home range. And, you know, especially during the rut, you know, I don't know if uh, if you're hunting in kind of that small town environment or you're up at a hunting camp or whatever. But, you know, uh, most of the time, everybody knows everybody in uh, those small town environments like that where everybody's kind of hunting the same deer in a small area. Um, but he was like you said, man, I don't know what to say other than he was kind of a ghost in 2022. And I can't think of any other reason other than he just got smart, man. So tell me about how you finally found him. Like, I'm curious to hear that story. And then I'm also curious to hear like how you processed that and felt about it. I mean, you've got 19, 20 and 21 and a little bit of 22 uh, experience with him at this point. Right? Like, I mean, you're, You've got some history with this dude. Yeah. So, uh, I actually, funny enough, I found him. Uh, I was turkey hunting with a buddy. Uh, my buddy had never shot a turkey before. And, you know, the house is normally kind of like old reliable. Like, if, you know, somebody really needs to get a bird, I'll take him there. Um, so, you know, first bird, you know, buddy's all excited. We're, we're, you know, working some birds and sure enough, three long beards come in and they're sitting there for 20 minutes and buddy's like just shaking in his boots, man. I loved it. I couldn't help but smile as he was sitting there shaking. Uh, but anyway, buddy smoked a gobbler and, you know, we're all, you know, high fiving and this and that. And he runs up there and I walk up and, you know, we're celebrating. And then we look over and he's like, Hey man, is that a, is that a deer over there? And I'm like, yeah, it looks like a deadhead. And I'm, you know, looking at it, looking at it. And I'm like, ah, don't even look that big. Like, I'll just come get it out. You know, we got your bird here. We'll get this all taken care of. You know, it looks like a little basket rack or whatever. But uh, he's like, no, nah, man, you know, you know, you can't leave that. You know, it's antlers, you know, for the pile, whatever, this and that. And I walk over there and, you know, sure enough, built off of this little six point frame. Then I got like, you know, kind of a shabby profile view of lo and behold is the big six and man. Oh yeah. I mean, it was, it was bittersweet to say the least. I mean, it, it, it was a bummer, man. I mean, it was, it was a bummer. I was really wanting to take that deer myself. Yeah. Well, at least you got some closure. You know what I mean? Like he true. Not one of those that just disappeared. Right. Like we were talking, man, that, uh, that buck we called G two, that I was telling you about that my dad was hunting pretty hard. Um, that deer, man, he hit, I think maybe four or five and a half and he just gone. Didn't hear about anybody shooting him. 
um, where we live, if somebody would have shot that deer, somebody we know definitely would have heard about it. Um, did hear a really big one got hit by a car kind of over by us. Didn't ever see pictures of that one. Um, you know, so I, you know, thinking maybe that could have been him, but, uh, just a ghost, man. Yeah. I've got, so I've got an 11 point that I knew of last year. That was a big deer. Uh, and I, I'm pretty positive based on pictures that he was a three-year-old. Um, right last year and i just got word a couple of weeks ago from the from the local conservation officer that he saw a deer that matches the description that i sent to him uh in late winter and so he made it through gun season i'm guessing that you know bow hunting late season where i am there's not a lot of pressure so i'm really hoping he's back in there for this year but dude if he disappears man that's gonna be one of those sad things where it's like i would rather have closure and know who got him or know that someone got him or find him like you did then then have that you know that big question oh yeah i would definitely go so far to say his closure is worth its weight in gold man i mean i i still lose sleep over that other buck but i will say uh you know i don't know if it could be him or not but uh another thing i've really started to get into for scouting is shining right yep um you know i don't like using the 200 inch number but uh, I think for the first time in my life, the spotlight beam may have hit a deer of that caliber. Um, oh, dude. You know, I wonder if it could be just one I've stumbled upon with some luck or, you know, potentially it could be that one that just disappeared and, you know, just kind of shifted his home range. He's definitely that big deer is in an area where there's definitely a smaller population of deer. Right. Um, you know, it's always, it's an area that definitely has held some big bucks in the past. So, you know, I didn't get a great look at him. He was pretty far away and, you know, under the spotlight, but, uh, I mean, shoot, man, if there was any deer I've ever seen that could have turned into something like that, it would be that G2 buck. So hopefully, uh, as the season progresses and, you know, uh, the, the essence of the rut, goes into the air maybe uh maybe he'll come back my way a little bit and i'll be able to check him out up close right right well man we'll we'll wrap it up with this i always like to when there is a buck of this caliber that we either bag or we didn't bag but one that we chased right like one with that we've got some history with and we knew something about him what would you say is like the lesson about deer hunting that this buck taught you like if you had one thing that you're taking away from this gosh for your saga, you know, what are you taking away from it? Don't get attached to a deer. Oh, <laughs> all right. I mean, I'll tell you what, man, especially where we live. I mean, have it, you know, once he got to those older years and I didn't see him that often, you know, you're always thinking, Oh God, did you know, Bob get him, or, you know, did Tom get him, or did Jerry get him, Or, you know, you're always thinking that, you know, a little bit in the back of your head. Um, you know, just kind of waiting for that community thread. Uh, you know, once, once somebody gets one in our community, like I said, it gets around pretty quick, right? Especially one of that size, you know, just wondering always if you're going to hear from a buddy that, Oh yeah, so-and-so over here, you know, got that one or, you know, this and that. Um, but yeah, man, don't get attached to a deer. Um, another thing I'd say is definitely, you know, put your time in, in the scout, man, have more than one deer to hunt. That's another thing. Yeah. Um, that's a huge thing. And especially, and not even just deer, I mean, just properties. I mean, you get, if you develop confidence in a property from that, you know, 
October 29th to November 10th timeframe. And, you know, you haven't seen or gotten a picture of the deer that's been in that area. Um, I mean, that's, that's a magical couple weeks, man. I mean, if, if you got a spot where, you know, some, some better bucks have been in the past, you know, cruising, you know, sniffing, checking, whatever, um, just, you know, wait for the right day, you know, a high odds day and get in there and hunt, man. I mean, uh, you're not going to kill them sitting on the couch either. That's for sure. Right. Absolutely, man. There's been a, there's at, at this point, there's certainly been a lot of seasons and a lot of, uh, a lot of ruts, uh, wasted on a specific deer when, you know, it turns out he's, he's long gone or he's shifted or, you know, something's happened to him. He's shot already. Um, yep. no need, no need chasing ghosts, but well, man, if folks want to keep up with you, find more from you, where can they go to maybe even, uh, see what you're doing this fall? Uh, I mean, I'm at, uh, Julian young on Facebook, um, young wild nine, eight on Instagram, uh, young wild nine, eight for Snapchat. Um, don't do really too much with the social media. Um, you know, post my successes, but then again, who doesn't? Um, I mean, I'm always happy to talk hunting, fishing, outdoors, whatever with anybody. Um, you know, always looking for hunting buddies, like-minded individuals to just bull with. Uh, I'll be at the Wisconsin Waterfowl Expo working this Saturday if anybody will be up there. So, uh, you know, just looking forward to getting back after it and getting in the tree, to be honest. Heck yeah, man. That's awesome. So, uh, man, well, good luck this season. I look forward to seeing what uh, what you get and when you kill a good one. You need to give me a call so we can uh, get you back on the show. Sure thing, dude. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. While you're at it, if you could leave me a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. You can also follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at the Wisconsin Sportsman or at How to Hunt Deer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics, guests, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show. And if you're looking for more great outdoor content, check out the sportsmansempire.com where you'll find my other podcast, the How to Hunt Deer podcast, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts. And until next time, make sure you make the time to get outside and enjoy the incredible natural resources that are ours as Wisconsin sportsmen.